Well, the, got a call from Mike yesterday, and I uh, guess there was some mess-ups on this preaching schedule or something for Wednesday night, so he gave me a call. I said, be glad to. I always, the Bible says, be instant in season and out of season, so trying to do our best to do that. Praise the Lord. But uh, before we get started, let's pray over our uh, uh, request that people have put in. Uh, I don't know how heavy this is. So would you just put your hands out this way? It's, I like this because th- th- I think this is symbolic. I know it's symbolic. But it's like putting all the prayer requests in the Lord's hands. Isn't that, isn't that a good place to put them? So let's pray for these needs right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we lay hands on these. Lord, we have the symbolic hands up here, Lord, to, to be like your hands, Lord, that, uh, that we put these requests in, Lord, because now they're in your hands, Lord. They've left the hands of your people. And now, Lord, they're in your hands. And, God, you know that these requests that have been made, Lord, there's, suppose people put five. Lord, I have to be honest, I've put more than that. But, Lord, I just ask you, Lord, to just meet these needs, whether it be healing in their bodies, whether it be restorations in their families, whether it be their children, Lord, uh, mental health, Lord, just financial needs, whatever it is, God, there's nothing too big for you. And so, God, we just praise you and we thank you, Lord, because we've asked And you said, Lord, if we ask and believe, it says that we will receive. And so, Father, we ask in faith, and Lord, we believe right now, and God, that we just believe that it's accomplished and done. And we just praise you, Lord, for all of these answers, that they'll come to pass, Lord, this year. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all of us said, Amen. Amen. Uh, Jesus, I'll let you keep your hands down there. Praise the Lord. All right, stand with me as we give our profession of faith today. How many of you are ready to hear the Word? Amen. All right, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear to learn. Lord God, oh my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Being that this was a Wednesday night service, I didn't feel like I needed to preach a salvation message. Hopefully all of you are saved. And so I I said, Lord, what is something that I can give on this Wednesday night uh, to those who are solid in the foundations and the Word of God? And uh, all of a sudden, my chiropractor came to mind. Why would I get a chiropractor come to my mind? Well, the thing was, will it come to my mind about what the chiropractor has told me many, many times? That if you want to keep your body working the way it's supposed to work, you have to keep your back aligned so that all the nerves, everything in your back just begins to go in line. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but um, when I get up, I grunt a little bit sometimes. When I get up, because, you know, we're stiff because, you know, we're a little older than some others. But the thing about it is, is realizing that if you keep your back in alignment, it keeps your body stature good. And when you stand up straight, walk straight, it keeps some other things happening in your body. And there are a lot of people who suffer today simply because they have problems in their back. 
not saying it's naturally an alignment problem, but a lot of it is alignment, but some of it has been pulled so far out of alignment it can't get back into alignment and becomes a physical condition. But it's important for all of us to have alignment. So my message tonight, they got it up there now, staying in spiritual alignment because we need to make sure that we keep our lives in alignment so that things work properly in our lives. Now, if you have a car and you don't keep the front end aligned on your car, what does it do? You drive down the road and it either will shake. A lot of times when you get a certain speed, a lot of people say, well, my tire's out of balance or whatever the case may be. But the thing about it, a lot of times you're constantly down the road and you're it's pulling to the left or it'll pull to the right or it'll pull back and forth. And you say, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I'm riding down a freeway. I'll get down a freeway and I'll just get on the lane and when there's nothing around, I'll turn loose on my steering wheel and see if it does this or if it does this or if it, if it stays straight, right? Well, you can't go very far without it. I did it one time and my, in the car that we have now, and I was going to test it out, and I didn't think much about it. And I put it on like this, and it drifted over, and I started to get the steering wheel, and all of a sudden it drifted back. I said, well, that was good. And it came back over, and it went over a little bit further, and it turned around, and it came back this way. I said, what's going on? And I realized I had turned on my control that keeps my car between the lanes. So it was correcting itself. When it get over too far, it just bring it back the other way. And I said, well, I guess I don't need alignment anymore. i got a car that's got more sense than I do sometimes. But anyway... The catalog in that thing is like this to be able to know all these things are happening. But the thing about it is, when a young person gets in a car, before they get their driver's license, a lot of times all they think they have to do is get in that car and they crank it up and it just goes and it just stays between the white lines. You know, it just goes down the highway with nothing. And they think that all you got to do is just put your hands on it, let it go straight, and that's it. They find out real fast that this, it, you're constantly having to make minor corrections to keep it straight in the road. Well, all of us who are seasoned in the Word of God may not have to make major corrections, but to stay on the path that God wants us to go on, I think a lot of times we need to keep our uh, corrections going on. And I've had times where you've taken your car be pulling one way or the other, and, and so you get out and you look at the tires and you say, wow. That one looks like it's really worn on the outside, on the front. You look at that thing and say, well, I need to get an alignment, right? Well, you can go put new tires on it, and it'll drive a whole lot better, but it still wants to go one way or the other. You haven't corrected the problem. You've only just substituted something new in it. So a lot of times we get things new into our life that kind of keeps us going or whatever the case may be, but we have to realize, especially as we mature in the Lord, that we can't run on the same suspension our whole Christian life. We have to do things to keep it fixed to where we go correctly. So, even though this message is for everybody tonight, it should be especially for those of us who are uh, living for God and have been living God for a long time. And so, I want to talk about this spiritual alignment. I'm going to take it out of the book of Colossians. Colossians, you can even turn there if you want to, get anything, because I'll stay there. I'm not going to be bouncing all over tonight. But Colossians chapter 1, but a lot of times when you're reading God's, reading God's Word, you have to first, before you get all the instructions that the Word of God tells you, 
you need to find out who the person who's writing is talking to. Because a lot of times you say, well, we take that scripture, Brother Graham, but that's not talking to Christians. That, that's, talking, that's talking to the world, or that's talking to these people or this people and different people, different ways and things of that nature. So it's important for us to understand who Paul is talking to when he talks to the, to the church at Colossae. Is he talking about the troublemakers in the church? Is he talking about the problems that come up that needs to be corrected because they've gone in error, which some of his messages do go that way? But when we look in Colossians, the first chapter, and in the second verse, it says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. So he's talking to people, believers, that are faithful and mature Christians. So he's talking to people that are like us. Okay? We've studied the Word, we've lived the Word, we've read the Bible, we've listened to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages, and we've, we've done corrections in our life many times. We've raised our children, we've done it, and now we're empty nesters, and we've got you know, people that's gone. Some of you still have children, bless God you do. It gets lonely when they're not here sometimes, but anyway. Uh, but the, the thing about it is we've gone through life and we've learned a lot of things, and this is who he's talking about because he says, all of these people who are brethren in Christ, who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, our God, our Father. And then he goes on down and, and skip down in verse three. It says, "And we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you." Now here's Paul saying he prays for them always. Now, it's important what Paul is praying because this is what he's, he's telling us what he prays for daily for them. All the time he sees it and does not cease to pray for them. So it's important that what he's going to tell us about these seasoned Christians should be important also to us. Okay? Now, it says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Now, these seasoned Christians now are good believers, right? But now they have faith, they're strong in faith, and they have love. How many of us? We have faith, we have love. So we're still the same type of people, right? And then he goes on in verse 5, he says, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word, in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world also. In other words, you've got the whole gospel just like everybody else in the world. Also, it, cost, it is constantly bearing fruit and even and increasing even as it has been doing in you since the day that you heard and that you understood the grace of God, the truth. In other words, these Christians had heard the word as we have heard the word over and over and over again, and they had were bearing much fruit, bearing much fruit in the word, and this fruit was also being bore by them. The, the, it, the word was going everywhere, right? So we can see that these Christians were strong in doing a good work. Now, everybody understands the difference between good work and bad work, right? Don't have to explain the difference between good work and bad work. Now, anybody know the difference between good works and God works? 
Do we understand the difference between good works and God's works? Now, a lot of people say, well, all good works are God works. You can do good works, but not what God may want you doing at that particular time. Okay? Just because, sometimes people get busy, busy, busy just doing good things, but never ask God, what do you want me to do? What God works do you want me to do? And I think as seasoned Christians, sometimes we fall into these traps of thinking just because we're doing good things, we're doing God things. Okay? Now, good works are what we're supposed to do. I understand that. Don't get or get wrong. But just because they're good doesn't always mean that's where God wants us to be at that moment in time and what God may be wanting to change in our lives. And wherefore, we must be open to be able to listen to the Spirit and understand that. So, even though these Christians, as we see here, were solid Christians, Paul felt the need to pray for specific things for them. And it's these things that Paul knew needed to happen to keep them strong, the way they were, strong in their faith and their walk with the Lord. If it was good for them, it should be good for us, okay? So now we're going to skip down. If, you, if you're looking in your, in your Bible or your iPad or whatever you're looking at, we'll go down to verse 9. Verse 9. It says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with, with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So Paul here has prayed, is, praying, is praying for three specific things. Three things that he's praying for. He's praying that they may be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Now, in the Amplified, it says it this way, that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of His will. That you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of His will. Now, as Pastor Angela has many times said, I want it to be clear as water. I don't want there to be anything that's not clear. Many times it's for us to understand that when we walk in the knowledge of God, sometimes we, I, I, I can't, I'm trying to think of a better word, but I can't, so I'm just going to use it, okay? Sometimes we get garbage in when it's not really what we need to be hearing, okay? Sometimes we get things that go contrary to the Word of God. I don't know if any of you have ever done this, but a lot of times you go, you go hear somebody, and you hear somebody use the, use the wrong word. They say should instead of shouldn't, or they say could instead of couldn't, or whatever, and you catch up just that fast that they just missed that word. They didn't really mean to say what they said because they were just caught up in the moment, and you recognize that because you know what the Word of God says. And you can catch those things. And those are just little slips of the tongues that people do. We all do it for ministry. I've done it before, and I'm sure if Pastor Angela hasn't done it, she will sooner or later. Because it's one of those types of things you get caught up in the moment, and you say it, and you say exact not exactly the way you want it to come out. It came out, but it didn't come out like it was supposed to. It kind of came out a little scrambled, okay? But there are times that you hear things, and you get a check in your spirit. You ever said, what's that check in your spirit? You say, I heard that, but there's a, I feel a check in my spirit, right? Then you say, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about that, right? I'm not sure about that. And so, 
over the years, I used to take a thing, I'd say, what I'm going to do with that, I don't, I get a little check, I'm, I'm not sure about it, because I can't really put my finger on it, scripture-wise, but it just doesn't sit right. And so what I do is I say, I'm going to take that and put that on a spiritual shelf somewhere, kind of stick it in the back of my mind, I'm just going to put it away, and I'm not going to dwell on it, and then time goes by, times goes by, and all of a sudden I hear something from somebody else, and somebody gives a word, I look at the word, and I say, that makes sense now. And now I can take that off the shelf, put it, mix, and now it becomes part of me. Why? Because now I have been able to take something that I did not understand. I heard about it. I had knowledge of it. In other words, I had the knowledge because it came into me as a personal experience that I got it coming into my life, but yet it didn't sit well. Why? Not so much because it might be wrong, but because I wasn't prepared for it yet. I hadn't got to that point in my spiritual growth to be able to accept that particular aspect in my life. Okay? So knowledge is, when it says to come into the knowledge of the will of God, many times we think that we know exactly what God wants us to do. We understand we, we, we've been living for God for 20 years or we've been living for God for 30 years and we know this is the way it's going to be. And all of a sudden, just as sure as you think you know it all, one day something happens, you get more knowledge of God's will and you say, wait a minute, what am I going to do with this? Okay, well, we can do, you can put it up on the shelf or you can research it, whatever, get to that point. But we have to be able to take that and incorporate that into our lives, okay? But knowledge is knowledge, and we get a lot of knowledge. But we have to realize that we have to be able to sort that knowledge out. Because there are times that you're going to hear things that are contrary to God's Word. And if you're not mature in the Word of God, you can be tossed to and fro in your doctrines. This happens a lot of times. I call it feeding from too many troughs. When you put too much food in front of people from too many troughs, you confuse people and people become confused. <coughs> you say, well, we, we have a lot of troughs here. We have a lot of ministry. I'm one that stands up here, Pastor Angel, Noja. I mean, you look around. How many people do we have? Johnson? We have people who stand up here. But the thing about it is we're all walking in step, and we have check and balances on us. You understand what I'm saying? We have the check and the balance. But the thing about it, there are people that listen sometimes to people that they don't know, or they don't understand, and they hear things, and they don't sound right to them. But we're very... We're very because we are senior Christians in, in this, we just say, I understand. Just not gonna, I just don't receive that. I just, I just don't receive it. And, and then we just go on. But the thing about it, everything that we hear has influence. It may not cause a consequence in our life, but it has influence. Everything that comes in through the eye gate, the ear gate, all of this has a influence in our life. I preached a message on that, so I'm not going to re-preach what influences on your life. That's another thing altogether. Okay? But no knowledge of God is a constant learning process requiring us not to just read the Bible, hear the words of the Bible, but study it and understand what's in it. I, I don't know about you, but how many of you 
have ever taken a Bible and just read read a, a, a book of the Bible, even a short one, just take Colossians, okay? It's a real short one. Take it and then go through, and when you go through it, just kind of mark what really speaks to your heart, okay? Then either get you a different color pen or get another Bible that you hadn't marked up and then go back and read it a second time and see if there's anything else that you get the second time you go through that you didn't get the first time you went through it. It happens all the time. I've even had it to the point that I've probably read the Scripture so many times, I don't know how many times I've read the Scripture, and all of a sudden one day I read the Scripture, and all of a sudden it, bing, it just kind of pops out at you, and you say, wow, I didn't realize it said that. Why didn't you see that the first 20 times that you read it? Okay? It's because it may not be that time that God had it to come bing, that little bing, into our life, because we didn't need it up until that point. But when something comes in beings that you need, that means God say that's what you need, and that's what you need to sit down and study and find out what God wants to show you about that. Because it means that God has something special in that. Now, I don't know about you, but as soon as I think that I pretty much know everything that God has for me and what His will for my life, I mean, I got married, and, and then God showed me this mission thing, and then all of a sudden I was preaching. I knew about preaching and stuff, and I'm going here. And about the time I get it all settled, we got to do a feeding program. we got everything going. Everything's fine. You know, everything's just waiting. And then all of a sudden God drops, well, you need, I want you to start a, uh, I want you to start a vocational school. Well, wait a minute. That has nothing to do with eating. You told me that you wanted me to help feed these children. Now you're telling me you want me to give these children. And he says, I just want you to give them a means, another means so they can learn to eat. Because if they, don't, if they can't make a living for themselves, they can't eat. I'm feeding them now, but what happens when I can't feed them anymore? And then the old thing says you can feed a man fish or you can teach a man how to fish. One sustains him as long as you're feeding him. The other one sustains him for life. So the Lord says, you're feeding them, yes, but once they leave your program, they don't have anything except a little bit, you know, education, of course, but no skills, no trade. Okay, Lord, I see it now, okay? So it began to make sense. But I thought I knew, but then all of a sudden when I thought I knew everything, all of a sudden God does something else. So we always have to be realized that knowledge is something that's changing all this, that is changing all the time. Tonight, when you leave this auditorium, you will have learned and gained knowledge that you didn't have before. Why? Because you're hearing someone talk about something that you may not have ever heard talked about from this standpoint before. Now, it may be this much, it may be this much, who knows? But the fact is, it's knowledge, and once it gets in you, God can work through you because now it becomes part of you. It's like when you find out, Pastor Goodluck said one time, he said, when someone, when they went to, when Pastor Angelina went to Nigeria and they saw these children being sold, he said, when you don't know what's going on, you know nothing to do. But once you know something, how can you not try to do something? The same thing happened to my wife and I. We went, we were doing leadership conference. We were going to go over and we were going to do crusades and we were going to do all these things and God showed us children suffering in a place. We didn't go over there looking, but we came back and we said, there has to be some little something that we can do. We can't feed every child in Uganda. 
but we can take the 400 plus that we have and try to keep them fed, right? So everybody does what they can do, and God does this through knowledge as we gain knowledge. Until we go to be with the Lord, we need to do all that we can and gain as much knowledge as possible because the day that we stop learning and gaining knowledge is the day we die. The day when you breathe your last breath is the last day that you learn and gain knowledge. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but that's the main part of it. In other words, knowledge is something that we all have to have. And here, it's not just knowledge. It's knowledge of God's will in our life. And how do we find God's will in our life? That's through the study of God's Word. Because God shows us in His Word. He gave us a plan. He gave, us a, he gave all of us a plan. And it's all right here. God has also given some of us individual plans and purposes that we must work in our own individual life that goes is part of this, but it is an expansion of what He said to do. Go ye therefore and, and then you do. Whatever it is that God puts that for you. Now, the second thing He talks about here, He says, pray that they would be filled with all spiritual wisdom, and also pray that they would, thirdly, pray that they would be filled with all spiritual understanding. So we've already talked about knowledge. Now we're talking about spiritual wisdom. Now we're talking about spiritual understanding. And if you look at it in the Amplified, it says, in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and the purposes of God, that's what wisdom is, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. To be able to understand spiritual things. We don't have a lot of problem understanding natural things because we deal with them every day. But because we don't, because we don't walk in the spiritual world like we should be walking in the spiritual world, we don't see the things that are happening in the spiritual world. And unless we are linked up and hooked up to that spiritual world, we don't know. And we're already learning about the you know, things of heavens and where they are and the battles that's going on above us as Pastor Angel has been teaching us, right? So, I wanted to look at these two things here, the spiritual wisdom and the, um, uh, and the spiritual understanding together because they, them along with knowledge is used over and over and over. There are scriptures all over, especially if you read the book of Proverbs. Gain wisdom. They just talk about have knowledge. Have knowledge, then get understanding. Have wisdom and wisdom and understanding. Peace. Well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to get knowledge? Am I supposed to get understanding wisdom? And they all just seem to be all mixed up. And sometimes it's hard for us to understand what the difference is because to us, a lot of times, knowledge, understanding, and, and wisdom all seems to be mixed together. And sometimes we say we ought to well be able to walk in wisdom when we really need to be walking in knowledge. Or we say, well, I'm walking in wisdom, but we're really dealing with the fact that we're talking about understanding. So it becomes important for us to understand that even though they seem to be mixed together, in the original language, especially in the Hebrew, Greek also, but in the Hebrew we get a good definitions of them. In the Hebrew language, when it talks about these three things, they do have very close similarities, but there are differences about them, and it has to do with the depth of what they are. Okay? Now, knowledge... Knowledge, the Hebrew term for knowledge is based on the verb yada, to know. That's what it means, is to know. That's the verb. But I want you to understand that it comes from a verb 
not a noun. Knowledge is not something I have knowledge. Okay? That is a noun when you use that way. But it says when we are to grow in knowledge or when we are to acknowledge, it's based on a verb word, which means it is an active word. It's something that is happening to us all of the time. Our brain never stops gaining knowledge. Everything that we see, everything that we hear is put in our brain forever. It's there. We may not be the only the ability. You've heard of people have photographic memories. They can see it. Read it, and then they can just give it back to you, just, just write, write it down or tell it right back to you. We all have the ability. We all have the storage. Everything that we read is in our mind. The difference between a person who has that, what they call that type of memory is the fact they have the ability to recall what's in their mind. Okay? So all of it's in our mind, which means everything that we read of God's Word and studying God's Word, when we need it, God can go to that file, pull it out of you, and make it available. You say something, you say, I didn't know where that came from. It came from something that you had learned or something back, and the Holy Spirit gave you. Or if you hadn't known, it's just something He just gave to you for that particular moment. But the thing about it is knowing that knowledge is there. Now, this, this understanding that we're talking about, the, oh, excuse me, the, the knowledge here, this is understanding with insight. Knowledge, understanding with insight. This kind of knowledge is based on personal experiences with a matter. In many contexts, it denotes the ability to, to discern based on past experience the difference between the two abilities of the little one's lack. Okay, Now, knowledge, therefore, is the learning with perception. It includes things like a teachable spirit. There are some people that can't be taught. Okay? A teachable spirit. A willingness to listen and a desire to discover what is really there. Knowledge forever pursues truth. Now that's from the Hebrew definition, not our English dictionary. So it's a little bit different in the aspects of what we do. But knowledge is the base of everything. Then comes understanding. Okay? Now understanding, the Hebrew term for understanding, thank you, we got that up there. I didn't know we were going to have Tabuna. Okay, which denotes intelligence or discernment. Okay, this word describes our ability to observe, gain insight, and then discern in order to devise a plan or make a decision. So it goes beyond knowledge. Okay, it goes, it goes into intelligent work, and then it's, it allows us to gain a kind of mental capability that we do our homework, investigate, seek multiple perspectives, use logic, and formulate ideas. This is all falling into understanding. It goes from knowledge to understanding. I always like to look at it this simple way. You may know that a car will get you from point A to point B, but until you learn and understand how to drive that car, it's just a, it's just a means to get you from A to B. If you don't know how to use it, it's just a car. It's just a hunk of metal and does absolutely nothing for you if you don't know how to drive it, okay? Now, you can know how to drive it, but can you tear the engine apart and fix it if it breaks? That comes into another. Now, you've got more knowledge, more understanding, right, to be able to do those things. And now, even the fact of to wisdom sometimes, I think, even falls into there. So, the wisdom of, so, this, this understanding, we call this spiritual, we, we, we might call this experimental 
wisdom. In other words, things that we have gained through our experimenting in life, decisions that we've made, is this type of understanding. Then we look at wisdom. So wisdom, in the Hebrew word, is, is a kekim, and, it, 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 and all of its derivatives are most commonly used in terms of denoting intelligence. The simplest way for me to put it is understanding, if we look at it from a, from a simple standpoint here, simply put, knowledge is what we learn through reading, the, reading, through reading and experience. Understanding is the ability to understand the knowledge that we have gained. And wisdom is the discernment to see beneath the surface and know how to use what we've learned. So all of this comes into wisdom, the, the, the knowledge, the understanding of wisdom. We always say wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, so most people think that's the way you have to learn it. But basically, you learn it from knowledge, then you get understanding, and then you get wisdom. Basically, it's just the fact of I have the knowledge, now I understand, and the wisdom tells, tells me when and can, when I should, and how to use it. Okay? You can, have all, you can have all the knowledge you want, but you may not ever be given the opportunity to use it. Okay? So if, if God's given you knowledge, hopefully one day he'll allow you to use it. Okay? Now, the process of knowledge and understanding and wisdom is a continual process, and with time we will gain more of each one of those as we study God's Word and as we keep our... It's all part of keeping our life in alignment. Of all of these spiritually, these are all spiritually, give us greater power to live our lives in a constant alignment with God's Word. So that's what, when we talk about understanding this wisdom of God, the knowledge of God's will, dealing in those types of things, is something that we have to consciously learn and try to learn. Each one of us are learning tonight. We are gaining knowledge tonight, okay? Now, from this knowledge, some of you already understand even what I'm talking about because you may have studied it and been in depth with it before. And then the other thing is wisdom, which you may know the things, but how do you use those? How many times have you said, I don't know if I should do that or not? You know what to do, okay? You, you understand that if you did it, this is what's going on. But you, you question, should I do that or not? That's where wisdom comes from. Now, a lot of times people say, well, if you've got a lot of gray hair, you've got a lot of wisdom. Well, I don't have a lot of wisdom because I don't have a lot of gray hair. But I'm still working on it, okay? Uh, but anyway, but the thing about it, we all grow in those things. Now, let's move on in Colossians, uh, verse 10. It sa says, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is what he's praying. To please Him in all respects... Bearing fruit for every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, this part of prayer, Paul is pointing to four, uh, four things. He says that we may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, I don't know what that means to you. But to walk in a manner... Worthy of the Lord. I don't know, it's kind of one of those things to where I walk my life and it bothers me sometimes because I'm disappointed in me. And I, I, sometimes it gets me because I feel like I haven't honored the Lord. 
because of the way I walked and the way I did certain things. Because I guess from a child I've always loved the Lord because I was taught to love the Lord, I guess is the way to put it. I, I was taught to love the Lord and know that the Lord loves me. And if you love somebody, you don't want to do anything to hurt them. I've done things that hurt my wife. I didn't mean to. I really didn't mean to, but I did. And I had to tell her I was sorry, but it didn't take away, it doesn't take away the fact of how it made me feel when I realized what I had done. And it's the same thing that we ought to feel, the same thing when we do things that are, that are not pleasing in God, that's not a walking in a manner that God wants us to walk in, that God is worthy of. It's a, it's, we walk in something that God is worthy of. That God is something that you would do because He's just worthy of it. But we don't look at that worthiness of God. How worthy He is of our obedience. How worthy He is of us walking in a manner that God wants us to walk in. And sometimes over the years, you know, we just, you know, we just kind of get relaxed and just kind of get, I'm a Christian, you know. I'm doing what I need to do. I, you know, I read my Bible. I pray. I do all those things. But sometimes... Maybe we need to pick up a little bit. We're looking for this church to, to go and to expand, to be witnesses and all that. Some of us, is gonna, it's going to require us to get up and do something that we used to do years ago. But then all of a sudden we say, well, that was the younger people. You know, let them have a... I remember they used to talk about that so many times when I was growing up. They said, you know, the older ones, we got to raise up the younger ones to take, raise up the younger ones to take over. Well, that was great, and everybody was taking it. But the thing about it, it was the responsibility of the older people to train the younger ones to be able to fill the slots, to be able to do the things that God needed to be done, not to just say, here, just for the sake of that. But anyway, so then it says that, you may, that this walk would please the Lord, and this is the part that makes it hard, that it would please the Lord in all, all respects that this walk would please the Lord in all respects. That doesn't leave any room for that one or two things that's not pleasing to the Lord to be in our lives. Now, I don't know if that gets you, but that kind of hits me between the eyes. Because He wants that we would walk and please the Lord in all respects, and that we would bear fruit in every good work, and that we would increase in the knowledge of God. Now, he's talked about knowledge now twice. But it was, first one was knowledge of the will of God. And this one is the knowledge of God. What's the difference? One is God's will. What is His will for my life? I look to Him for guidance of what do you want me, what's the path that you have me on, where do you have me walking, what do you have me doing, okay? That's finding out God's will in your life. But this one says that you would increase in the knowledge of God. Okay? Now, in the Amplified, I think they have the Amplified version here. It says that you would walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully, fully pleasing to Him and desiring to please Him in all things. There's a part here when it says fully pleasing Him. Again, we're back to the all or fully pleasing the Lord. But, and desiring to please Him. Desire 
is one thing that we have lost in our churches today. And you say, how can you lose desire? The Bible says, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you should have them and you shall have them. Whatsoever you desire is the main point here. What do you desire? Desiring. Do you desire more of God, more of His love, more of His knowledge, more of His understanding, more of His wisdom, all of the things that comes from God? Or are we only desire the things that feeds our flesh? More of this, more of that, more of this, more of that. Because most prayers is God give me, but what are we asking God to give us? What are our desires? And I think if we understood what, do, what Christ meant when He said, I'll give you anything you want. If your desires are what He desires for you, you'll have it no problem because your desires will match up with His desires. But when we get our desires outside of the rim of God's Word and what God's Word says we should desire, that's when we start having the problems. Okay? I don't have time to teach on that tonight. That's another problem. But anyway. But, but bearing fruit, desiring to please Him in all things. Bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing. Steadily growing and increasing. So we should always be on this. Steadily Growing and increasing in what? In and by the knowledge of God with a fuller, deeper, clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. In other words, a clear insight and acquaintance. If we become acquainted with God, a closeness to God, that's where we hear from God. And that's how God keeps us where He wants us in the path that He wants us to be. Okay? Now, Colossians 11. That strengthen with all power, according to His glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience and joyously. Now, now Paul shows us results of all these other prayers. Now, he's talked about what he wants to give us to these things that, that he's praying for us to do, these things that we need, that we'll walk these things and do all these things. But God never asks us to do certain things that he doesn't give results of being obedient to what his word says to do. And the results he came here, he says, Paul shows us the results of what he's praying for for these Christians at Colossae. He says, to be strengthened with all power. Okay? There's four things here. Strengthened with all power, not by us, but according to God's glorious might. In other words, receive power from God to make us steadfast. Now, how many of you believe that you're steadfast in your relationship with God? I think everybody here, I think I can say that everybody's pretty steadfast in your relationship. If you've lived for God for, some of you may not have, but if, let me put it this way. How many of you, live, how many of you here have lived for God for, for 50 years? Okay, 25 years, you know, 25 years, right? Now, some people may have only lived for God a couple of years. Some of them less than, I mean, anybody here less than five? Okay, well, we've got people at least over five years. So, to make us steadfast, we feel steadfast. But this is the power that God gives us. And if we stay on this path and don't get pulled one way or the other, our steadfast is sure. 
And that's what he's saying. Let us walk in that steadfastness that we may be patient. I don't like patience. I want it now. I'm just like all the young people today. I want it now. We all want it now, but patience sometimes. Do you realize that in the Old Testament, especially in the Old Testament we see, there were people that prayed that God showed them what was going to happen that they didn't even get to see. Happened hundreds of years, some of them thousands of years later, but hundreds of years before that. And sometimes they waited. Poor Noah, can you imagine? It's going to rain. Build this ark, okay? For a hundred years, he builds an ark. And then one day he's finished. And then the rain comes, right? The rain came at just the right time a hundred years. And Bill was talking, he got thinking about stuff. He talked about 7.4 billion, 4 million people. He knows everyone's name. He knows my name. But what gets me is the fact he knows how many's got hair on their head and how many, how many, how many hairs are on their head. And even the ones that shaved it off, he even knows the little stubs. You know? He knows it all. He's there, right? But anyway, but if you look at this in the Amplified Version, it says, We pray that you may be invigorated. I don't know what invigorated means to you, but that means you feel good. I feel invigorated, right? You don't invigorate it. You don't feel invigorated after you've run 20 miles. You don't feel invigorated. Matter of fact, I'd probably be in an ambulance heading to the hospital. But anyway, um, but feel invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of His glory, the glory of God, to exercise every kind of endurance. To exercise every kind of endurance and patience to be persevere in forbearance and love. These results are the things that makes being in alignment with God's Word, God's will, and God's way that gives us these great benefits. We all know what the, end, the great benefit at the very end is, our blessed hope, right? That, the, that we go to be with our Lord Jesus Christ. But along the way, our suspension might get old after a while. Our spiritual suspension shouldn't. We should be able to keep it in good repair. And keep it in good repair is something that means we must be proactively doing maintenance on us. Preventative maintenance. I lived with preventative maintenance on my job. It drove me nuts. We did so much. We spent thousands of dollars trying to prevent something to happen that inevitably sooner or later, guess what? With all the preventative maintenance you could do, something failed, right? But that's not the way it is spiritually. God is there to help us to be able to do that so that we keep everything operating the way that it should be. So everyone needs to keep our lives aligned with the Word of God. But even those of us who have lived alone, the Lord, many, many years, still need to keep ourselves in good alignment with the Lord. Continue to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Seeking spiritual wisdom and understanding. Continue to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Pleasing God in all respects, bearing good fruit when we can, and increasing in greater knowledge of God and who He is. Then we will be able to stand in alignment the way we should be and receive our strength and power and be steadfast, patient, and joyful. Staying in alignment requires us to be sensitive to our walk and make sure 
that we're not pulling away from the path that God has for us. May the Lord richly bless you tonight. I pray that you got something good. Father, I pray that you go with us to our homes, keep a hedge of safety around us, that no danger or harm should come. Bring us by back at the next appointed time and help us, Lord, to walk in our lives. As many of us are seasoned with you, Lord, I ask you to give us strength to keep us on that path. And, Lord, to be able to recognize when you want us to do something for you and be willing to do it. And I praise you to bring us back again and keep us safe in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Lord bless you.